over to Professor Ella Henry today, so giving the power of Ella to rest just for one day in a rare move of relinquishing the music reins. Ella has chosen this, and well, what a track. Which New Zealander who does not know this wonderful track? What is this, Ella? Oh, smile. And, you know, I mean, it just makes me smile every time I listen to Herbs oh, yeah. 35 years ago, making us feel, as you said, Phil, Fabulous about our country, fabulous about ourselves and and looking to a positive future for our babies. Couldn't have a better song to choose for a Friday afternoon, Anna. What a wonderful... Let's just bring it up just a little bit more. Sliding into your Friday afternoon, their inductee into the New Zealand Music Hall of Fame. Herbs were described as New Zealand's most soulful, heartfelt, and consistent contemporary musical voice. Never shied away from the political with links to the Polynesian Panthers and the cover of What's Be Happening, released during the 81 Springbok Tour, being an aerial photo of police action at Bastion Point in 1978. Also taking on a strong star, didn't they, uh, on nuclear weapons. In the Pacific with French letters. So there you have Herbs, uh, Ella Henry's choice this afternoon uh, on the panel. 25 to 5, uh, the panel on RNZ National. Thanks for your feedback this afternoon. By the way, uh, I did not know this. So Wallace, um, do not um, shy away from using the X in Christmas. The X comes from the Greek letter Chi. Is that right? With which was the first letter of the Greek word Christos, which became Christ in English. Simon says, Wallace, I totally support Mika. The money's there. It just needs to be redistributed. The UK has just increased its energy windfall tax to 35% at a time when one of the biggest contributors to inflation is corporate profits. We should be taxing them and redistributing the revenue into areas such as climate mitigation and, hey, public transport and yeah look a big response on uh, seat reclining jay says it is not the reclining seat it's the pitch or space between seats why don't you ask in new zealand how they manage this and if they have increased seat numbers and decreased seat pitch well what happens if you don't want to recline your seat you may wish to eat drink undertake some work 24 to 5 the panel The government admitted yesterday children with high needs are being failed at school. They announced an overhaul of the special education system. Three out of ten kids with higher needs probably are not getting the support they need. It was announced by the Minister of Education at Bahampur Primary School and principal of that school is Mark Potter. Mark, kia ora. Welcome to the programme. Kia ora, Wallace. Pleased to be here. Is this a long-awaited announcement for you and everyone in education? Uh, This is a very long-awaited announcement. We've been waiting decades for someone to finally acknowledge that this system is not designed to meet the needs of the highest-needs children. Tell me how children with high needs are being failed under the current system, Mark. So the current system right now 
uh, it presents lots of hurdles that make it difficult for a child with amongst the highest needs to even get the resourcing they need. Once they actually acquire that, if they're lucky enough, uh, then it's already capped on what they're allowed to get. Uh, and it's, it's a competitive model that is designed to protect the system and its budget, not to provide for the children. I had a chairperson that described applying for learning support in New Zealand to send your child to the Hunger Games. Good grief. Yeah, um, it's been heartbreaking for teachers. This is what the PPTA President Melanie Weber said. Seeing the lack of support is really hard when you're seeing that in your classroom and you're unable to access it for them. So we're wanting to see it very quickly. It must be a very hard situation. Uh, you know, that example of wanting to, to do right by not just that student, but also the whole classroom, Mark. In a way, uh, it's not good for anyone in that classroom. Melanie's quite correct that right from early childhood through to the end of secondary school, uh, this system doesn't really provide enough at the right time in the right way for children. And what you end up with is, is a situation where you have distressed children, you have distressed whanau, you have distressed teachers, and uh, that can actually have terrible impacts on the learning uh, for what's happening for that child. And it's, um, it's such that it's incentivised, the system is incentivised some schools to even prevent children from attending schools. Really? And they just shouldn't, shouldn't support a system that does that. That's correct. And this is something you've noticed or seen, Mark? Yes, it's definitely something that's happened and been seen. And it's um, there's a variety of reasons it can happen. Um, Such one as? of those is, um, well, fear that you might not be able to meet the needs of a child. Mm. And so schools can shy away from it. It's a, it's a real challenge for them. Um, not being able to meet the needs of the child can also uh, create a big issue for the child. And schools don't want to be placed in that position. So some of them will actually limit time. Uh, some of them will possibly not even be welcoming. So um, it makes it very hard, and that's down to the system. The system has created that. Um, so, yeah, we need to make sure that the system feels capable, feels confident. These are things that we've been asking for quite some time, so we're pleased to see it in the statement. Uh, every parent, every whānau should feel that they can go to their local school mm. and know that that school will uh, front up with a big smile, big grin, and say, you're welcome. You are very welcome here. We are sorted. We've got you. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the way our system is. It's been uh, neglected for far too long. It's quite an extraordinary story. It's quite an extraordinary situation, isn't it? Um, just for example, Mark, uh, here is a text we've just uh, received right now. I'm a science teacher. I teach at least one kid per class with extremely high learning needs. I cannot give those kids the time they need from me. They don't qualify for a teacher aid, yet they have extremely high learning needs. <laughs> I mean, how can that be? Well, exactly. So, um, and, and there are many children that they have needs that I think people are only really starting to come to terms with now. Uh, it's, it's the equivalent of uh, sending someone to PE lesson who needs a wheelchair but not giving them one. Uh, and a lot of these children, it is the additional adults that can help them um, navigate and negotiate learning that is often missing. missing. And, and a teacher who already has other uh, areas of responsibility will struggle to do all that work. 
So we think the critical thing is the, there needs to be the capable workforce built up, and it's just not there yet. Uh, right. We've got capable people, but there's just too few. And the few that we have just don't have enough time. Within the Ministry of Education, there's just not enough of the specialists we need. Uh, and within schools themselves, we need people in the schools who are actually working with the children who have the specialist skills that we need. Phil, your comments, thoughts or questions on uh, this issue? Yeah, I, I think as a society, we're measured on how we look after the most vulnerable people in our community. And I think I support anything that, that, that makes uh, people in this group's lives better. Uh, totally, totally support it. Um, how confident are we that that it's it's going to be implemented in a way that really makes makes a difference rather than sort of just a bold uh, vision or announcement? Well, that's a good question. Um, the difference I see is the statements are actually being made. There are things being said here that have never been admitted or said before. So that gives me some hope that it's going to happen. Uh, but it will take substantial investment. It doesn't need substantial investment. And I'm sorry to anyone this offends, but I don't want to see one more tax cut in this country until this is sorted out. Sort this out, and then politicians can cut whatever they want as long as this is done. I don't want to see one more tax cut in this country until this is sorted out, says uh, Principal Mark Potter here. Professor Henry. I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I, and I've seen, you know, I've been in the education sector for over 30 years. I've seen what I see are improvements. I mean, 30 years ago, dyslexia wasn't even recognised as a special need. So we are now acknowledging that the spectrum of needs is far greater. I, I do think there's merit in um, not just assuming every school should or or has the capacity, but but perhaps cherry-picking some schools in some areas to give the best coverage where we can put the additional resources and have. I know there was a move away from special units, but I worry about some of the children on that spectrum being bullied because of their difference. And if they are in a much safer and better resourced environment, it's right. got to be good for everybody. Yeah, Mark, what would you say to that? Well, I, I think we need to make sure that um, society doesn't get away with bullying people out of it, that they uh, certain parts, and I say certain parts of society, uh, don't believe belong. I think that is something we need to make sure we do something about, and that will happen if we have inclusive schools. Uh, there's no doubt there is a real place for specialised uh, education for children as well and mm. uh, I've got a friend in Auckland we have some tremendous debates about where does that line start and end but certainly it has to be part of that factor there are some children that really require a very high level of support and so you need, need very specialised people for that too Hey so here's another text here uh, and it goes back to that notion of uh, you know it does affect everyone, Mark. My junior school granddaughter is in a class with very uh, some needy children, special uh, high needs children. My granddaughter is often very upset and stressed. Her learning is suffering. This is no criticism of the school. They are doing their best, but it's just not good enough, Mark. It certainly is a, a real challenge for a school, and um, it can be an issue if the needs are not being met. Uh, it's, it's more than one child's needs not being met. Uh, so uh, what I want to make sure is that that doesn't even become an issue. But what we can't continue to do is choose which children do not get access to education. 
And that's what unfortunately has been going on. In order to protect one in a system that doesn't work and isn't designed properly, we're actually sacrificing another group of children and not giving them their rights. It's good to have you on, uh, Mark, and we might come back to this next week, this topic. Kia ora. That's uh, Principal of Birampur Primary School, Mark Potter. It's 15 to 5. You're on the panel. Lovely uh, to have your company today. Uh, Ella Henry and Phil Taylor joining me uh, this afternoon. Now, there have been thousands of companies in breach of the Holiday Act. Millions of people owe payments. It's too complicated, apparently. Hospitals, though, get this, now almost $2 billion owing to a quarter of a million people, some since 2010. When will people get paid? Well, it might not start till late next year. Apex Union National Secretary Dr Deborah Powell uh, joins me. Dr Powell, welcome. Um, Hello, everybody. This is really quite... I mean, this is actually quite a story. Um, People who are owed so much going back years. Can you explain how we got to this point. Give us an example of someone who is owed, is it back pay? What is it? Explain it. Um, okay. Well, first of all, it's not the fault of the Holidays Act. I, I need to say that. Yep. Um, what we've had in health, unfortunately, is amongst the district health boards, and I, I do have to emphasise this is you know, not under our current system, but um, just too much of a tolerance for non-compliance with employees' rights generally, quite frankly, but also with um, legislation such as the Holidays Act. So that, that's, that tolerance has been a problem. But secondly, we haven't invested in infrastructure. So our payroll systems, we still do an amazing amount manually. So, you know, 500 employees who um, are due a pay rise on their anniversary date we still have payrolls that manually enter that pay rise, that it's not connected to their length of service and their anniversary date. Oh, which, gosh. You know, so it's a huge um, uh, lack of in- infrastructure investment. And, and there's some competence issues. Um, you know, some of our payrolls um, have been well-led, and, um, you know, that's also added to the mix. But, you know, all of that, um, here we are now, quarter of a million people owed back to 2010. It's money they're owed. And uh, we're aware that some of the payrolls are ready to go. They're ready to pay out. But it would appear that they're being held back. We think by the Auckland Metro um, DHBs or ex-DHBs who are, who are the slowest, uh, possibly the worst in terms of sheer numbers, but also payroll problems. Um, and my view of it is we shouldn't wait for Auckland um, if a payroll is ready to go. For goodness sake, pay yep. these people what is owed to them. And if Auckland is last, well, we'll just have to put up with that. But at least pay who we can. Well, I'm just thinking it's just, you know, Friday afternoon, it's a fairly administrative thing to be talking about, you know, payroll as a topic. But it's actually, you know, the, the fact of the matter is it's about people, workers getting paid properly what they're due. I see here an estimated 270,000 people were owed a combined 1.8 to $1.95 billion at least. Yes. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it's, it's, it's outrageous. Um, and look, this money is um, it's owed to them. 
they're not getting use of money. They're not going to be paid any interest on it. I mean, I personally think that they should be paid interest back to at least when the unions raised the issue back in 2006, 2007. Um, but, you know, there's none of that in the wind at the moment. It, it's just money which is still sitting in, in government coffers which isn't being paid out. And that's, it's not OK. It's not OK at all. Um, you know, if this is in um, a civil dispute or in a commercial sense, you know, if someone didn't pay what is owed, there'd be repercussions. But well, here we are still waiting. You, there absolutely would be repercussions uh, in the commercial world. Hello, Henry. I'm absolutely appalled. This is a shows an, a shambles. And and yes, you talk about um, you know still manually entering, but but we've got we've got bigger and bigger managerial systems running so much of our infrastructure. You would have expected after thirty years to have figured out efficiencies from the the, the you know the state owned enterprises that were foisted on us and being told that business would run itself better than the state. And I, I personally think this is a, a, a shambles. And and it, it, you know, if, if I were part of the, this group that had found out I was owed money, I'd be looking at partners for a class action against the employer, quite frankly. Oh, gosh, strong words, Deborah. Well, um, we're at the point where, as I say, at least some of these payrolls are ready to pay out. Um, and and right. my view is they should be paying out. So, so, you know, we've waited this long and... Now the knack is, come on, guys, let's start paying us and put some pressure on Auckland to get it sorted out because, as I say, I understand they're, they're the uh, most behind the eight ball. But, look, you know, you talk about infrastructure um, and you talk about payrolls, and, and I'm a big-picture girl. I, I um, You know, the details of payroll uh, isn't something that I really have delved into in my life mm. until now. I'm, I'm over it now, I can tell you. <laughs> but, um, it's, it, is, it is a complex area, and, you know, people say we should have one payroll, well, we should. Um, for health, uh, but then we all go. Oh, remember Nova Pay, and oh, that was a private yes. company, and that that oh, did yes. not go well. So I think there's a um, we need to invest in you know the best to get a system that is as modern as we can make it and get on with it. But that will take more money. Uh, getting you know everyone tw- at the moment we've got 20 different payrolls running in the X district health boards and. Some of them won't be supported after the end of this year. They're, they're sort of they're so old. Yeah. Even the companies that design them won't be supporting them any longer. Oh, um, we're going to have to yeah. come back to this, Deborah. This is this has got to be a part two on this payroll. Um, kia ora, Deborah Powell there from uh, Apex. Uh, Phil Taylor, you've got to be paid. You're a part. I mean, do you pay people on time? Oh, look, I I have a philosophy of actually paying people ahead of time, and one what? of the greatest times in my life was actually when COVID first hit and um, a lot of our clients actually were paying ahead of time um, mm. to try and keep the economy moving and keep, keep things going. So I think it's just good hygiene, good discipline. Uh, I can't help but, but think, um, I, I don't know if technology is always the solution to this. Yeah, I mean, yes. it's someone at the end of the day has to program it in and someone makes a mistake and if you've got one system yes you're still going to get a mistake of the scale that's a fair uh, point. so i don't i don't yes, fair point I, I i'm not sure that technology was the problem here
Yeah, uh, really interesting stuff. That uh, that was again at De- Dr. Deborah Powell, there, Apex Union National Secretary, and with us this afternoon we have Professor Ella Henry and uh, Phil Taylor joining me on Friday afternoon. By the way, I got to say, I've never said this before, but well, I have, haven't I? I really appreciate all the feedback that comes through uh, mm. by text, by email. You're really getting in touch, and um, some of you love it, some of you just hate it. You can't stand some of the things that uh, I say about reclining or um, squeegeeing down the shower or how I hate instant coffee. You just can't stand it. But I'm loving your uh, conversation on that, so keep that coming. And on this, well, Black Friday discussions on the show yesterday. And Black Friday, well, rampant consumerism, some said. But through the text yesterday, again, back to that feedback, someone said, well, Claire said, let's have Green Friday, where we commit to only buying secondhand, much better. There was an outpouring of support for a hashtag Green Friday. I thought, who better to discuss this with than Rachel Brown, the Auckland Environmental Business Network Director. Rachel, kia ora. Kia ora. Oh my God, Wallace, I just have to say, it has been a long time since I've been linked to the Auckland Environmental Business Network. I run the Sustainable Business Network and have for 20 years. You know what? Yeah. That we've is just a. We've gone that, back in time. That we've just gone, we've, we've gone back in the TARDIS <laughs> for some reason and we pulled out the yeah. old thing. But more importantly, you're here and you're the best to comment on this. <laughs> a Green Friday. What do you think? Well, personally, love it, and I think actually, to be honest, it shouldn't be just a Friday. It should be every time you open your wallet and spend some money. Oh, that's too hard. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just becomes the way that we do things. It isn't hard. Right. I, I personally hate the idea of Black Fridays. You do? I, just think, I do. I hate Black Friday. I think it's an overconsumption day, and it has a whole lot of knock-on effects, which are horrendous for people's financial situations, like debt indebtedness. And, you know, you get this short-lived dopamine boost when you buy something, and then you end up with regret. And then you have to do it again to get that little high, and then more regret. And actually, we're driving people into massive debt, which is crazy. You're buying a cheap T-shirt. You're buying a cheap T-shirt. That's all you're doing, Rachel. Well, it is. And and you don't often even need it. It's just people are trying to get that, that... short boost of happiness, which is so short that okay. we really need to reframe it. But Green Friday, yes, love it. Okay, stay there. Let's go around the panel on this. Phil, you first. Yeah, I think I think uh, putting aside time to reflect and uh, think about the series are a really good thing, and I support it. Okay, Ella? Well, I, I mean, my understanding is Black Friday has emanated out of the American holiday around Thanksgiving at the yeah. end of November, uh, where they give thanks for building their great nation on the genocide of the First Nations people and slavery. So I don't really have much truck with Thanksgiving, I'm afraid. Therefore, anything <laughs> associated with it does not mean anything to me whatsoever. And I'm appalled that we are actually buying into it in this country. Well, um, last Black Friday, folks, um, $270 million was spent. The coffers were ringing. These are, these are businesses that need the money, mm-hmm. uh, Professor Henry, Rachel Brown. Let's Can find I... another reason than, than, than the American Black Friday Thanksgiving. A green Friday, absolutely. In it, 150%. 
Rachel? Can yeah. I add some thoughts to that? I, yeah. I do think that the, the thing that people misunderstand is buying stuff and spending money are two different things, right? So you don't have to buy that cheap T-shirt we just talked about. Instead, you can still keep the economy going, but we've got to think about where we spend our money in a different way. So if we're thinking about buying experiences, supporting the tourism industry, buying local food, all of those kind of things, you're still spending money, which supports our local economy. And then we need to think about, well, what are the different ways that we can connect with each other, which I think was Phil's point. And, you know, if we turn more of this into how do we share, donate, give time, give money, you know, in different ways. Well, that's where a Green Friday comes into it. You know, you, you, you go out and you, you support your local St. Vincent de Paul. You buy a sweater from St. Vincent de Paul. You go to the Sally and buy a couple of T-shirts there. You, totally. You know, you, you pick, up a, pick up a plant and plant it. <laughs> I don't know. That's right. And also right. even thinking about those of us who have spare cash in our wallets, Instead of just thinking about buying more stuff for the people that we love who've got too much stuff and they're having to store their stuff in spare garages because they can't keep it in their full house, right. you know, why aren't we giving that time or giving that money to, to organisations who need it? The Sustainable Business Network's Rachel Brown. Kia ora, Rachel. Thank you. And love Professor it. Alan. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> let's, hey, Alan, let's go out on herbs, eh? What a great choice. People are Absolutely. loving it. Kia ora to you. And Phil, wonderful to have you on the programme also. I'm Wallace Checkpoint. Checkpoint is next back 345 Monday. Big thanks to my wonderful producer, Ayana.